Australia's climate is variable. Because our continent is surrounded by oceans, is flat, and stretches from the tropics to the mid-latitudes, we witness just about every climatic condition that is encountered around the world. But it's not only variable in space, but also in time, from droughts to flooding rains, as Dorothy McKellar describes in her famous poem. And though non-Indigenous Australians have come to adjust partly to this variability, it is highly likely that non-Indigenous Australians have not even experienced the true variability and the extreme weather that can occur in Australia. In a book titled Sunburnt Country, The History and Future of Climate Change in Australia, Dr. Joel Gurgis pieces together journals and early meteorological records from the colonial settlers in Australia in a bid to better understand the climate variability of Australia over the past 200 or so years. In the book, Joel uncovers some amazing climate events. Snow falling in Sydney in 1836 and a bushfire in Victoria which burnt some 50,000 square kilometres of land, among many others. What Joel concludes is that to properly plan for the future, we need to truly understand how variable Australia's climate is. As she and her team unearthed, it is highly likely that in our short time on this continent, non-Indigenous Australians have not witnessed the true extremes that the climate is capable of producing. Why is this important? It means that we are unprepared to deal with these extreme climatic events. And what's worse is that with a warming climate, scientists expect our climate to become more extreme. So if we're unprepared to deal with the extreme weather that could occur today or tomorrow, we are seriously unprepared to deal with the extreme weather which will occur in a warmed climate of the future. Extreme events is what we're talking about today. And by extreme weather events, I mean weather events which are unexpected and often devastating. For example, the February floods in Canberra earlier this year. In particular, we'll be looking at the expected changing frequency, that is, how often they occur, and magnitude of extreme weather events as the climate warms. Firstly, though, we'll be covering the burgeoning field of climate change attribution. This field assesses the likelihood of certain climate events happening if humans hadn't pumped carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and in turn altered the climate. It's an area which tries to definitively answer that inevitable question which follows any extreme weather event like the floods in Canberra earlier this year. That question is, of course, was climate change to blame? Typically, climate scientists are very reticent to answer those questions because until now it was very difficult to answer definitively. The standard response was usually, we expect extreme events like X to become more common in a warming climate, and whilst we cannot categorically say that climate change caused this particular event, these are examples of events which we believe will become more common as the climate warms further. As outlined before, the climate system is chaotic, especially in Australia. How on earth can you determine whether a certain climate event was a product of natural variability or due to climate change? And given the incredible level of scepticism placed on climate scientists and the results they generate, can you really blame them if they don't want to give a specific answer? Well, this area of research is aiming to address that. As you'll hear from Dr. Sophie Lewis, Senior Lecturer at the School of Physical, Environmental and Mathematical Sciences at UNSW Canberra, scientists can quantify how much more likely certain weather events were to have happened because of humans. This research is also very troubling because it vividly describes the ever-growing and unmistakable scar that humans are leaving on the climate system and our environment. This talk was given as part of the Climate Update, held at the ANU earlier this year. So the next research that I wanted to highlight was really trying to look at the causes of these extremes. 
So this is taking a step back. That was looking at um, these record-breaking temperatures as a whole and starting to see what they mean when we group them all together. But this research is um, about the attribution of individual events. And that's really trying to understand when we do have an extreme or record-breaking temperature, uh, we really want to know what caused that. And that's a really important question for um, planning. So if we think that all extremes of floods or temperatures are caused by climate change, but they're really not, they're just an artefact of natural climate variability, um, we're not going to be making very good decisions about how we plan for events. Or if we ignore record-breaking temperatures or uh, extremes of any kind of weather, um, then we're not going to be making very good planning decisions. So this is some recent work um, that's really taken off in the last few years, um, focusing in on Australian extremes and trying to understand when we shift these average temperatures, um, when we have that climate change trend, um, what happens in terms of the extremes and can we attribute these individual events? Uh, so this is highlighting a few studies that have um, taken this approach and this is an approach that has been pretty much adopted from public health studies. So just as public health experts want to understand how a risk factor like smoking might affect the incidence of a disease occurring like lung cancer, we take a similar approach and we use climate models to try and understand how a specific factor like greenhouse gases that cause climate change can affect the incidence of a particular extreme event occurring like a hot summer in Australia. Um, so that's just a really brief explanation of what these studies are trying to do and the techniques they're um, using. But one thing that's really come clear is um, over the last few years, as more and more events that have occurred across Australia, more and more observed events have occurred and been analysed with these approaches, is we're really seeing a very strong climate change signal occurring in terms of temperature events in Australia. So we had a record hot summer in Australia in 2012-2013, and that was five times more likely because of climate change. Um, when a study looked at the record hot temperatures that occurred throughout the entire year, that study actually found that it was virtually impossible for that kind of extreme to occur without greenhouse gases. Um, there's also been studies looking at um, more recent extremes in 2017, and they've found a huge increase in the incidence of those events um, because of climate change. So we focus in on um, one by Andrew King at the University of Melbourne. He looked at hot winters, so the 2017 winter um, extreme in Australia, and examined what that um, was like in various different scenarios. So the chance of that occurring without greenhouse gases was 0%. Um, but it occurred far more frequently um, when we had the impact of climate change, so our current world, and when he looked into the future, he found that those record hot winters would occur more frequently again, and that really depended on the future scenario that he looked at. Um, and there have been other studies that have looked at the impact of these extreme temperatures on um, ecosystems, such as the coral reef bleaching, the extreme bleaching that occurred in the Great Barrier Reef in 2016. So this took a similar approach and it found that the record hot temperatures that were observed in the Great Barrier Reef region were one of the primary drivers for the bleaching that occurred that year. So this took a similar approach to the one that um, Andrew King used to look at hot 
winters, but it looked at sea surface temperatures and the impact that had on the barrier reef. And this found that unlike previous bleaching events that occurred in the past, um, there were very different causes for what happened in 2016. And unfortunately, um, that was really related to the greenhouse gas warming of those surface temperatures. So that's not particularly good news for the reef for the future because it means it will be less resilient uh, as temperatures warm into the future. So those are some highlights, some very brief highlights of attribution studies. So they're trying to understand events that have occurred in recent times, uh, what was the impact of climate change on those. And I said that's really useful for planning because we want to know what we should be planning for into the future. But the next studies I'm going to highlight have actually looked at what events might be like into the future. So this first one um, was from last year as well. And this was looking at record-breaking events that have occurred recently. So I said that 2013 summer was a record hot summer in Australia. So when can we expect that summer, which is currently the most extreme summer that's been observed in Australia, when can we expect that to become mild or cool? So when will half of all the summers um, from that point on be warmer than anything we've already experienced? So this was looking at how frequently current extremes occur in the future. And these results found that that occurs quite soon. So within just the next couple of decades, we can expect what's a current record-breaking temperature to become average or mild. And unfortunately, this study found that a lot of that warming is already locked into the system. So when we look at different emission scenarios for greenhouse gases as we move forward into the future, so whether we adopt um, pretty dramatic changes to our emissions trajectory, or whether we continue as we're going, um, makes very little difference when we're looking at these large spatial scales. We already have a lot of warming locked into the system and we should really be preparing for that and what that might mean in terms of how frequently these extremes are occurring. Um, so that was looking at how frequently extremes that we've already experienced occur in the future. And again, that was trying to provide information that would be useful in terms of planning for that future. Um, what summers do we need to be prepared for? Um, so that was focusing on frequency. But we also need to know about magnitude. Um, it's very useful to know that summers are likely, hot summers are likely to get more frequent. But what's the worst that we should be planning for? What's the worst we can expect? And that's an approach that we really use in terms of things like bushfire planning. Um, when we're talking about bushfires, we're not talking about planning for an average bushfire. We're talking about what's the worst bushfire that we can imagine happening, and that's what we should be protecting ourselves from. So this next study tried to look at how Australian extremes might change when we look at different uh, warming scenarios based on the Paris Agreement. So if we have one and a half degree of warming or two degrees of warming, What's the maximum temperatures that Victorians should be planning for? Or what's the maximum temperatures that New South Wales should be planning for? So this is another study from last year. And um, this is a pretty busy plot. And it's actually kind of hard to summarise in anything more simply. So I'll just talk you through it. Um, but basically, it was looking at um, how will future extremes be more severe than anything that we've observed before? Um, and what this found was there was a substantial increase in the extremes in those two states that we should be um, expecting might occur 
uh, under these two, one, two warming scenarios that are outlined by the Paris Agreement. So, for example, um, if we look at New South Wales under two degrees of warming, um, which could happen in the coming decades, um, we could expect that some locations uh, would be having temperatures on those January days of approaching 50 degrees. So not for the state as a whole, but if we look at particular locations, particular sites, uh, we should probably be planning for temperatures of that severity. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to occur, but these are what we call plausible. And that's under two degrees of warming, but we know that we're uh, already on a trajectory well above that. So we could be expecting that if we continue, we should be planning for extremes worse than that again. Um, so I just wanted to finish up with this um, um, infographic that was put together um, in association with Kate Orty for the um, Sustainability and Environment Report. And I just want to finish with this because I've been talking about global change and Australian change. Um, but this is really showing that for global temperatures or Australian temperatures to hit these record hot extremes, we're really seeing a lot of locations having anomalously hot weather. So it's not just what's occurring globally, it's all these different places are contributing to those extremes. And that's what we're seeing in Canberra. And as Sharon mentioned, there's a lot of flow on effect from that. So I've just talked about statistics, about increases in frequency, increases in magnitude. But the impact of that is an increase in severe fire weather, an increase in heat stress and hospital admissions. So while I've just talked about the statistics of these changes, these have really big impacts when we're talking about human health and our ecosystems. Thank you.